and welcome to episode 79 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I'm Brent Nolan of AppHack.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I put up our defenses while fishing for dangerous beasts, growing magical flowers, and slicing up everything in sight. How you doing tonight, Trevor? Doing good. Ready to slice up some flowers and mystical beasts. <laughs> Hopefully you're not slicing those flowers. Right. <laughs> you got to put them together. <laughs> splicing. Yeah. You're splicing flowers. Yes. And so before we get to some fun stuff, some I guess it's fun in its own right, is the Apple news. And we're getting to that time of the year. You know it. I know it. Everyone knows it. September is when new iPhones come. And it looks like September 12th, Wednesday, September 12th, is the date you can mark your calendars and be excited for not one new iPhone, not two new iPhones, but three new iPhones. So Apple's going to replace the iPhone X with a new version, an updated version. So it'll be the same dimensions, everything. But then there's going to be this new iPhone X Plus that amps up the screen size to 6.5 inches. And then Apple's going to keep an old LCD iPhone around, essentially a successor to the iPhone 8. But it's now going to adopt the style of the iPhone X with the edge-to-edge screen. So that's two new OLED iPhones that are going to be sized essentially in the standard and plus variants. And then a LCD version to hopefully be a little bit more affordable and not a grand. Right, right. I'm I'm wondering what's going to happen with those existing 10s, if they're going to have that as like a bargain basement or how, what they're just going to keep what they have produced around as replacements for things. But usually they'll take one of the old models and kind of still have it around, but at like a only one size level and a certain price. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen at this point. Or I don't. I also don't know what these are going to be named because I've heard rumors that they're going to drop the whole plus nomenclature. And so, I don't know, we're kind of in uncharted territory at this point because they skipped over nine, and I don't know, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, the naming might be the most enjoyable part because, you know, there's been product leaks already, we've seen the different screen sizes, that's pretty much what to expect, but the name, Apple can do whatever they want. They kind of messed up last year by doing this whole 10-year anniversary, but then not really capitalizing on well as they could, so now... Do they call it the iPhone XS? That sounds stupid. Do we call it the iPhone 11, which would actually be iPhone XI in Roman numerals? Will that (laughs) new LCD iPhone be called the iPhone 9 as a successor to the iPhone 8? So you have the iPhone 11 and the iPhone 9. Who knows what Apple's going to do? Yeah, if they do the 10S written as XS, that's just dumb because now <laughs> it sounds like extra small. It does. And now you're really at the SE size. And I don't know, it's just going to be more confusing. I At this point, they almost just need to drop the numbering and just call Start them over. by their... Yeah, just call them by the 6.5-inch iPhone or the 5.8-inch iPhone. Like, I don't know. It seems kind of odd... I don't know. It's it's just uncharted territory at this point. Well, maybe that ties into what you said. What are they going to do with iPhone X? If they discontinue the iPhone X and say they just stop selling all of the old models, then they can do that kind of, this is the new iPhone. You can get it in three different screen sizes rather than, or three different price points, rather than we have these old ones still around that we knocked $100 off the price. Right, right. Yeah, and especially, I mean, depending how it compares 
apples to apples with that 6.1 inch LCD model, are you better off maybe getting only a 64 gig sized 10 than buying that LCD? I don't know. I, I mean, obviously it's going to have a faster processor. It'll have the A12 coming up, but I don't know. It'll be, we'll have to see that whole chart where they show the whole, this is our current lineup now with these new models in place. The pricing itself should be interesting because the iPhone X starts at 999 So now if we introduce a new bigger version, does that make it 1299 Is it going to be 1199 $1,099, $1,099? Where is that big one going to put at, you know? Right, right. And like, yeah, because normally they would replace the old model with the pricing. I'm I'm wondering if it's going to be somewhere between 900 and a thousand for that that plus model. If they're going to kind of try to drop it below the thousand with that and then the 5.8, maybe they do 800 to 900 depending on your sizing. And then on that LCD model, I think they're going to come way down and it'll be in the 600 to $700 range, depending on its sizing. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's what they're hoping for, that the new Plus can be 999 at the entry-level storage size. And so that way the existing iPhone X size doesn't start at 999 They can drop it down to 899 or even 799 Right, right, yeah, and then they'll be able to still offer their best model at just under a thousand, not scaring everyone away. <laughs> it is interesting though that that six point five inch is going to be the same size as the existing iPhone eight plus, but it's going to be all screen now. So instead of the five point five inch screen, it's going to have a six point five inch screen because they have that edge to edge design. So if you like the plus, and then. I know you thought that the iPhone X screen is a little small. Well, now they're going to have even a bigger screen at that top tier. I know. You see, I'm so torn. <laughs> I, I'm not planning on getting a new a new phone this year, but I do kind of miss the the plus screen size for playing games on the phone and and few other things. But I definitely don't miss the size of the phone itself. It is bulky. It's big in your pocket. It's kind of a pain. Where now I'm so used to this much smaller 10 form factor that I, I don't know that I would go back to the Plus, despite the larger screen size. At, at this point, we're going to be buying a new phone for my wife, so she will probably get either the 5.8 inch or the six probably the 6.1 inch uh, because it's just cheaper. And that's probably all she really wants for what she does on her phone. Uh but I don't know. It'll be one of those two. It definitely will not be that that plus size. Yeah, that's going to be a mammoth device. And I think I'm not going to upgrade either. There's nothing on the iPhone X that I'm like, man, I wish it did this. And especially if it's just going to essentially be a processor upgrade. Like if it's an S-cycle release, then I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. Because the three camera lens system that's been rumored, I think that's going to be held for 2019. So it really feels like a S cycle. So even if they do call it an XS, I totally understand that. Right, right, because they they very all the rumors are pointing that the notch is still going to be there with this model. That the notch won't be gone till at least 2019. So if you're someone who's holding out for just that beautiful nothing but screen, 
then you're, you're going to want to wait until the next iteration where they finally find a way to not have the notch. Yep, and then it's also rumored that Apple might max out the storage to 512 gigs this year. Yeah, that's quite a bit. I, I, I don't even come close to using the full 256, I think I have in mind. Is that what? I think that's what I have. I yeah. don't even know, but I pl- I think it is, yeah. But I have plenty of room left on my phone. I don't even come close to using it all, so I wouldn't even, definitely would not go for the 512. The, the rumors are it's going to be 64, 256, and 512, at least on the, the, the OLED screens, and then the other one's going to have 64 and 256. Yep, so... If you are in the market for a new iPhone, Apple's going to give you some pretty solid choices this year, but that's not all that the iPhone event's going to have to offer. We're also expecting Apple Watch Series 4, and this should be the first kind of real change to the Apple Watch, because with 2 and 3, it was a lot of under-the-hood stuff, not really noticeable. Like, if you held the watches next to each other, they're thinner slightly, but it's not really that different. So this one... The watch is going to adopt that edge-to-edge screen style of the iPhone, so you'll have more screen space on the existing watch because Apple's trying to make it that any existing watch band that you own is still going to work on the new Apple Watch. And then, of course, with that new screen comes more, essentially, usage, power usage, but I guess they have more high-efficiency batteries to try to keep up with that as well as push it further because I know you're looking for a battery that you don't have to charge every night and I don't know if the Apple Watch 4 is going to be the one to deliver that I'm hoping it will be at this point I'm charging my current uh, my Pebble that I've had for four years now I think it is or maybe even yeah I think it's been about four years and I'm charging that thing almost every day so uh, some days it seems to last multiple days, other days I have to charge it every day. So at this point, I definitely have to get something new. I, and if I'm charging this every day, then maybe I will finally just bite the bullet and get the Apple Watch, even if I have to charge it every day or every two days. The other option for me is to just go with one of the Fitbit offerings uh, that have now getting like now they support swimming and they'll support in their next gen they'll also support seven day battery life so i'm gonna have to decide but i think this new apple watch could be i'm really hoping that was the one issue that a lot of people had so i'm hoping they finally address the battery life issue and somehow make it more efficient and obviously I'm not going to get the one that can make phone calls, so that's not going to be eating up battery. It's more for notifications than whatever other apps I tend to use on it, which at this point I don't even know what I'm going to use on it, so maybe I'll be fine. But uh, I'm definitely, this is what I'm most excited for because I'm actually thinking about jumping on board after four iterations. And then if you do have the first-gen Apple Watch like me, it's been sunsetted, so it's not going to work with the latest <laughs> version of watchOS. So if you do like what Apple shows, I guess now would be the time to get a new Apple Watch. The first one launched in April of 2015, so that means you got about three and a half years. And I guess you can't ask for anything more from Apple, but we'll see if Apple can truly make it worthwhile. Because I, I think that part of the you know on-stage performance is going to be convincing people who haven't bought an Apple Watch, but as well as trying to convince people to possibly upgrade. Because 
Watch is different than a phone. Phone, you're in that used to upgrading cycle. We've already seen it with the iPad that people don't upgrade as often. And with a watch, it's a piece that just from the very idea of it, you keep watches for a long time. So to have it be needing an upgrade after three and a half years, that'll be an interesting selling point. Right. Well, especially even just those people that bought in last year and thought they had the latest and greatest, are they? Is there going to be something there to tempt them to upgrade? Obviously, if they force obsolescence on some of the earlier adopters, then they might upgrade. But you'd really have to do something to get someone to upgrade from just buying it last year. That's a lot of money to keep throwing down each year on a new watch, unless you're somehow. Uh, trading it in somewhere and selling it or you're giving it to a, a family member but it's the type of thing where I don't know it's kind of a personal item that you have on your body your sweaty body I I don't know I don't know that I would buy someone else's used watch I guess it's no different than buying someone's used phone <laughs> who knows where that's been but <laughs> I don't know. It, to me, just the watch feels different. Like it's not something I would I would buy someone's used watch. Yeah, I I don't disagree, especially knowing you know just having the watch for the past three and a half years, knowing all that it's gone through. Yeah, but then also Apple's expected to launch new AirPods, and essentially this isn't going to be like some mammoth design overhaul or really that substantial of a change. They're going to improve wireless charging improve the wireless chip to work with Hey Siri, and just hopefully be able to better produce them. Right. Well, there was the rumors that they were going to have like that always-on Siri, right? Where they were going to be able to... You wouldn't even need to raise the watch or press a button. You'd just be able to say Siri going on. So obviously that's always going to be listening and ready to go. Yep. So that's... Uh, I don't think anyone who has AirPods is going to need to go out and get them, but if you haven't got them... I still definitely recommend AirPods. Oh, I definitely do too. And supposedly, even if you already own them, you'll be able to get a case. I did see there was one recently kickstarted, a non-Apple wireless case to allow you to do the wireless charging. I was so tempted to, to back it. It wasn't that expensive either. I, I might end up picking up a third-party offering depending on how much this official wireless case is for the first-gen AirPods. Yep. And speaking of wireless charging, we should also get some more details on the Air Power Map, maybe final release date and pricing. Right, right, yeah. And that, I forget what that was rumored. That was around like 150, they were saying for that, right? Are you the 129 or 149, something? Yeah, something around that price. So hopefully, uh, hopefully it's not that that expensive, but. Uh, you know Apple. You so do. Even their, <laughs> yeah, well, even the, just the low power bricks are insanely expensive compared to other companies. So who knows? Yeah, and so also, I mean, that's pretty much hardware-wise. We already got that silent Mac update, so we shouldn't expect that. And then the iPad is due for an update, but I don't think it's going to be this event because there's the whole rumored edge-to-edge -edge screen iPad, and that's going to be a big change, but I don't think they're going to cram it into the iPhone event. Yeah, it seems like a lot for them to cram in. I mean, the last time they did, they did step through each of the devices. Uh, but I don't I think that would just take too long, especially with like the iPhones. There won't be a new Apple TV, but I, I think the iPads, they'd probably push out to another event. They did that education event last time. 
I don't know if they would do something similar to that. Uh, I would hope it's a little more uh, broadcast and not like that. Let's go to a school and kind of keep this low key, but uh, we'll see. And then, of course, we get final details on iOS 12, macOS, Mojave, watchOS 5, and I guess there's that minor Apple TV OS update. Yep. (laughs) And so, you know, usually with Apple devices, they'll be announced on the 12th, and then pre-order is usually, like, 9 to 10, or 10 days afterwards. You know, it's the Friday after that date. But this year... It might be at least the first Friday for the 6.1-inch LCD iPhone and then the following Friday for the OLED versions, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how this how they know what people are going to order because I think this is going to be a big year for the sales. I think some people might have held out because they didn't want to spend 1000 on on the 10 last year and now people, you get to the point now where people that want to upgrade are kind of holding out to see what's new, what's next. And I think it's going to be another one of these disasters where you're trying to get online ordering and thing colors and selections are going to be sold out because they try their best to figure out what people are going to order and they're not always correct. Yeah. So... That's pretty much the iPhone again of iPhone event. Remember, September twelfth, mark your calendars, ten a.m. Pacific. You can tune in live to watch because Apple's been streaming all their events. And in the meantime, I'm sure we'll get press invites next week, and we can dissect those because that's always fun. But <laughs> the App Store has plenty to give us in the meantime. And the first app we're going to talk about this week is called Mixer Create. And if you're not familiar with Mixer, essentially it's owned by Microsoft. They bought Beam, and it's a competitor to Twitch. And it's probably better than Twitch right now just in terms of a hardware standpoint, streaming standpoint. And with Mixer, the platform is kind of getting up and running. And so you can broadcast theoretically from your iOS device. So since it's by Microsoft, it's mainly designed to make it easy to broadcast right from your Xbox One. But you can also broadcast from your iOS device with the Mixer Create app, which essentially lets you download the app, and then if you have iOS 11, that screen recording choice that you have, it now has a drop-down menu. So you tap and hold on the screen recording button from the shortcuts menu, and Mixer Create is now an option. So you tap on that, you press Start Recording, and then you start broadcasting your game. You can turn on microphone access, and it all sounds super cool. But both of us have tested it out, and it certainly is not as easy or convenient as the description sounds. Oh, well, it's as easy to start it as the description sounds, but whether or not it's actually going to work is a whole other question. Sometimes the Apple... So there's two ways you can do it, where you either are broadcasting yourself and uh, it's using the camera and microphone, and it's just broadcasting you sitting there with your phone or, or your iPad and talking, and then maybe showing something while you're doing it. The other option is to use that screen record option and record the game that you're playing, and you're talking over it with your microphone so everyone can see it. 
I had better luck with the version where with the camera and getting you to broadcast right from within the app. Once you start to use that screen recording, sometimes the screen recording will just outright crash. As soon as it starts, it gives you this null error and then bombs out. Other times, it actually worked. It worked once for me, where it actually broadcast the game that I was playing. I could see it on my channel, and things were working fine. But getting that to work is a crapshoot and just random dumb luck, it seems. It doesn't seem to have any rhyme or reason why it's not working sometimes and works other times. I tried closing everything on the iPad, and that didn't seem to make any kind of difference. It just seemed to randomly decide it wanted to allow you to go ahead and stream, and it would work. Sometimes it appeared to be streaming, and it wasn't. Other times it actually was. Yeah, I've been experimenting with it for a couple of weeks so that we could talk about it on the podcast. And it seems like no matter what I try, it didn't work. Like you try, like you have these theories why it didn't work. Oh, I have too many programs running. There's not enough storage space on my device. Or it doesn't work with portrait games. Or these games don't give access to be broadcast. So you try all these different things and you check, no, that's not it, that's not it. And eventually you just have to say that the app is not ready for prime time to just work in the circumstances that they describe. Right, right, which is odd because there's not a lot of different hardware with the iPhone and the iPad where you would have thought they could check those permutations and make sure this thing works. I can understand if there was a way for uh, certain games to say, I don't want to allow you to broadcast my content. That would make sense, but you would think a... a error would pop up saying that's what's happening this app does not allow you to like it would with air with airplay or screen mirroring but this it just it's nonsensical errors that don't really tell you anything to know what's going wrong and i think it just needs some more work and i think it could be fixed but uh it's kind of sad that it's it's not working because it this would be a great tool for people that want to stream ios games get people interested in these ios games like they are with twitch and mixer on the consoles so it, it seems like a great idea they just need to fix it yeah i've used game capture cards and devices in the past to stream kind of new releases on thursday so i'm like okay this is really cool idea and just can't get it to work no matter what I try. So that's definitely disappointing because it's so promising in theory, but just the execution is not there. Yep. And so that's Mixer Create. It's free. It's universal. If the app is updated and starts to work, we'll be sure to let you know on future podcasts. Yep. And so you don't want to just, you know, stream old games. You want to stream new games. And so there's some new games this week that I did try to actually get up and streaming, but no chance so essentially we just have to talk to uh, talk about them and the first game this week is Evergarden which actually came out last week we had so much stuff we pushed it to this week and it's a interesting game and in it's a straightforward kind of puzzle experience you've played before if you played threes or 2048 you're gonna be right at home with the core idea where essentially you have these flowers and you drag them to put them on these different hexagonal tiles and you merge like flowers together. So you have start with one rosebud, or then it becomes this like two-formed plant, or then it's this three-formed plant. So you combine one and one, two and two, three and three, etc. You get point bonuses as you match them up. And then there's like this garden statue 
that requests specific types of flower arrangements. So say it wants four of the four flowered plants arranged in this little like triangle or something. So you have to form that and you when you do you earn a special five star flower that you can then throw right into your garden to help you out. So it just builds along familiar puzzle mechanic ideas just with this whole new garden arrangement. Right, yeah, it's instantly familiar when you start playing, and I, I do like those little things where it's requesting certain things. So it gives you a goal to to go towards, because you have a limited number of moves. So every time you drag things around and plant new flowers into open spaces, then you have to hit this little day-night thing where it comes in, and then it shift it removes one of your moves and then everything that you planted grows for the next day and then now you have these single buds that you can now drag to start building up these these plant structures yet again and so the whole point is to keep on trying to get up to this uh, those largest flowers, and then when you combine two of those together, it creates this totem that kind of grows out, a stone-like totem that grows out of the ground, and that thing can act as a wild. So if you have one of these like certain structures you're trying to build with flowers, you go ahead and you can include that space as part of it, and it'll, for one move, it'll act as whatever flower you need it to, and then count, and then you move on to the next structure you're trying to build. Well, while you're going, there'll be things like bunnies come in and start eating some of your flowers, or these little, like, creatures come in and they just take up a space so you can't plant there, and they'll move to another open space if there is one, and they'll, and they'll kind of just muck things up and get in your way. Once you eventually can't make enough moves and you run out of those day-night cycles, then any of those like totems that you created open up and you get these little stones and those stones allow you to unlock new levels unlock new little power-ups in the form of songs that allow you to change things up and give you like special moves that you can break the initial rules of the game whether that be to kind of cause things to uh, accelerate one level so that way like that two will become a three you rain down on the board to do this or you can do other things like dig up plants and replant them someplace else so those are where it's really at that's where it really starts to get interesting when you unlock all these other little special abilities that you choose to bring into the game when you start a new run of the game right the specials kind of help keep you coming back because it's new unlockables, new intrigue, because as it stands, it's still kind of an endless high-score challenge. It's not like, oh, you completed level one, here's a more challenging intro arrangement of flowers. So that would kind of improve it from my perspective just because I think I played three so much that this game just, it's tough to really get into it. But with that said... The specials kind of keep that intrigue, so what else can I do? What else can I potentially connect to with this garden and change it up to really amp up my score? Because really, each time you play, you have those 10 growth cycles, and that's kind of what you're fighting against. Right, yeah. So I, I, I haven't played threes in years at this point. I really enjoyed like just the overall... Uh, aesthetics of the game, and yes, it does have that familiar 
thing, but it was those power-ups that keep me driving through. And there's a, a subtle narrative that kind of goes along with it. And there are forking pathways where you can decide where you want to go to try these new levels. But the same core game is always the same. And even the progression of the tasks you need to complete seem to be the same every time, which helps you for planning. But I would like to see those changed up. But my biggest complaint with the game is there's no undo. I wish there was just a single undo to allow you to undo your last move if you made a mistake. I, I can understand that people might abuse it to try to like try different techniques out, but there's been a number of times where I either like drag a plant in the wrong direction, I meant to do it in the other direction, and I quickly realize that now I'm not going to be able to combine those two, three leaved plants together because they're one space apart. And it's just super frustrating because now you just completely blew something and your only way out is hopefully if you still have one of those dig up a spot and replant it available to you. And so if that they could just add a single undo button that would remove any kind of frustrations I have with the game. But otherwise, I'm really enjoying it, even though, yes, it is familiar. I really like the way they have kind of patched this up and made it different with those different power-ups that you you have to decide because you only take three in with you you have to decide once you start building up this pool of them how, what am i going to do what am i going to use yeah that's definitely true and on every one of your growth cycles and turns you always have a consistent focus it's just for me they're charging 6.99 for a game that was 2.99 in the form of threes and i don't know how much really it changes it for that price point right yeah i mean i could see if you're someone who has like played threes to death i i could see where this just feels very similar and maybe too similar for you to justify the purchase but uh yeah i i would have yeah. built on the storyline because at the very start you know it has this almost the room vibe where you unlock this little box and it unloads this letter build on that story to kind of really make it this level-based adventure to be warranted like take the threes mechanic and make it into this whole kind of puzzle adventure game rather than how it states i mean they're inserted there it just never builds on what they could yeah, yeah. so they do have this slight puzzle element to the game where those stones that you're collecting, the ones that come out of the, the towers or, or the to totems are always the same. But then there's other types of them you need to complete these little patterns. To Basically, you put them on this little table and it unlocks the pathways to the next sections of the game. And you have to figure out which of the spaces you have to fill in with those various... Uh, stones, whatever their patterns on the stones happen to be, you have to figure out exactly how to arrange them on there to match the the bigger pattern and then it'll work. And then they'll have like stones randomly hidden in little spots but it, I mean it's not a real deep part of the game. Like it seems like it's a nice segue to the constant of this plant building that they have I wish that was a little bit deeper. I think that's probably what you're talking about. Just build that that section up to be even more of a a segue away from this constant threes-like 
plant matching and have like really other larger segments of the game be this puzzly element of it. Right, because they have the pieces there. They just didn't build it out. If you want to charge two ninety nine for this game, and it's like kind of a different form of threes with this whole different design aesthetic, that's fine. But if you want to charge twice the price, turn it into a game that does do that. Something like The Room, where the puzzles kind of blend together. You know, they're these old tactical puzzle adventure things. You're sliding open boxes and piecing one thing over to another. All The Room games kind of blend together. To actually kind of build it out into something different, though, where the story is kind of intrigue, where you're traveling through this whole thing. You have this whole garden set up and this potential storyline to travel to different locations that actually make meaning progress. So now you have the $3 threes mechanic plus this $3 story that we've created where you want to play it through and have this whole incentive to make it to this adventure. Right, even if they didn't go that far, I just wish there there was more of a difference in gameplay in these different locations. I mean, you do get you do get unlock those those songs which allow you to make a difference by you selecting which ones you bring in. But I wish they did some little twist in at least every few locations, have even more of a twist on the gameplay, just to make it that much more different. Not that you just basically you're going back to that main section every time and playing there and it doesn't seem to really have much effect other than unlocking those songs the whole path of traveling through the place yep so that's Evergarden it's $5.99 it's universal and then there's SOS Defense where it's a tower defense game which has a little bit of a physics engine so usually with tower defense games you either have kind of the top-down 2D style where there's these little cartoons, they travel across, you kill them, they die in space, it doesn't impact anything else. Or then you have more of a kind of 3D style, but again, once you kill enemies, or just even when you're firing on enemies, it has no impact. Well, SOS Defense tries to make it have an impact, where when you're firing, essentially these little balls start at the top of the screen, and they need to make it the way to the bottom. There's all these kind of little shelves and columns to combine and fall again. So when you fire on them, they actually kind of bounce and ricochet and take impact from that. So just as a ball would if it's getting hit by something. And then also just from the momentum of falling off of this one shelf and then going hidden on another, they're going to bounce around. So then it changes the angle of impact from where you positioned your towers. Maybe a ball bounces completely over your tower rather than being stuck in these pathways. So it kind of changes things up considerably for a tower defense game. Right. You don't have the like steady, you can plan on, this is exactly how these things are going to move. You may not necessarily know if your tower is going to be strong enough to take them out before they pass that tower, but there's always that... In traditional tower defense games, you know the path they're going to go. This is the path they're going to take. Nothing veers from that path. Where this, there's a big, almost a random element because you don't know how these the physics is going to affect these things. Whether they're going to bounce off. If your thing that's spinning around trying to hit them is going to be able to reach it in time. Maybe it's like spinning and caught hitting something else and it may not make it around in time or maybe it makes it around just in time but that causes it to fling backward and bounce off. So there's a lot more chaos in this than I would say like a normal tower defense game where you're basically just planning everything out. 
this one you kind of have to react and especially the the game starts you off with like the typical seven waves of various things if you hit the button to like send in the the wave early you get a little bit of extra cash to help you build up your your towers in your initial tower choices are just these spinning things that uh, when they hit the balls, they'll they'll take off some damage, and eventually, if they hit them enough, they'll do it. And then your other tower is this bubble tower, which, when it hits it, it kind of gives makes some fragile bubbles that kind of just float around, and they may end up causing them to completely miss your other towers that are trying to hit them, but they'll float away and probably won't reach your uh, base down at the bottom. But as you go through, you unlock different different other tower types, and you constantly might have to remove uh, a tower and put a new tower in if something got down too low, and maybe you were only defending up at the top. But eventually, if you are able to beat those seven waves, then you unlock the challenge mode of that level, which is... At least for, I don't know if it's the same for all of them, but at least the couple that I played, it seemed like you only had a single wave and you had to just get rid of those waves. But they send a bunch of really tough things, so and you're obviously not going to earn a lot of money by a single wave, so you really have to be stingy with putting down towers and plant and kind of remove a tower as soon as it's no longer useful, and hopefully you have enough money back from that removing of that tower to then have enough to buy another one, because if you bought one for 50, you're only going to get 25 by cashing it in. So it's a much more puzzly and less chaotic uh, setup. So I'd like that kind of dichotomy of you having the really chaotic levels to start, and then you could redo that same exact level in challenge mode, but then it's almost like a more puzzly game than, and more of like a traditional uh, tower defense, but with very limited resources. So it, it does kind of mix stuff up even within the actual game itself. Yeah, the only kind of problem for me was that it seemed to suffer from the usual trappings of tower defense games where I found myself playing on the iPad and then I would get my phone out and just, you know, check something just because I was kind of bored in the intermediary stages. Because you can send waves early, but it doesn't really change anything because this game, you're, you can complete the level, you've built six towers total. You know, you can do the upgrades around, but it doesn't require really constant attention so it would be nice if there was a 2x button or just i found it too easy it was much as the premise you promises uh this chaotic nature you can see it you can witness all these balls bouncing around but my tower still had no problem defeating all of the balls Right, yeah, I, I have the same thing. And the, I think the 2x button would be super helpful. That seems to be a staple on tower defense games. I was kind of surprised it wasn't in there. I thought the challenge level was much more interesting because it required your attention. Because you had to stay focused and see if the anything got by your early towers. And you there was such a, a string, like you had to be so careful about building towers you couldn't you weren't going to have all this money coming in that you just do whatever you want you had to really focus on things i thought that was the more interesting mode of the game just because it wasn't that typical set in forget it you can do with a lot of these uh tower defense games and you can't unlock the challenge mode until you beat it on normal mode so you still have to go through that kind of monotony and 
if the challenge mode was unlocked from the beginning, you can play kind of levels simultaneously. That would change it up. But for me, I couldn't even get through the normal mode past like five levels and not just be bored out of my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I mean, I definitely see where you're coming from. I, I, I think this is a, a new developer, and I think they're trying to play with... I did see a lot of uh, complaints on uh, about it being too hard, so I'm wondering if they're just still trying to work on the balancing. No, because they did an update where they, I think, adjusted some of the difficulty. So I think they're ki- trying to find that sweet spot in the, the balancing of things. And I think they might have just veered a little too more toward the easy side than uh, it probably just needs some more tweaking of making it a little more difficult. Now, my chuckle was more to I definitely have a bias towards playing so many games that some games might seem easier to me than they would others. So that's all. Always take when I say it's super hard with a grain of salt or super easy. (laughs) If I do say it's super hard, look out. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's SOS Defense. It is only 99 cents. It's universal. And then there's I Slash Dojo. And hopefully you're familiar with the I Slash games in the past. They take that quicks or Jezball style where you cut off, you know, part of the region smaller and smaller. Essentially, you have this wood inner or wood background, and there's these little uh, ninja stars bouncing around. And you have to cut the wood without your slice being hit by one of the ninja stars and then as you go the wood will have metal barriers or various obstacles to prevent kind of the areas that you can trim down and so that was a level based game where you had one kind of fixed wood design that you needed to cut down with i slash dojo it's this new endless style where pieces of wood are falling from the sky and you need to slice them completely before they hit the balloon at the bottom of the screen and pop the balloon and now you have all these new kind of little obstacles like there might be these rotating flamethrowers or even wood that falls from one side over to the other. There's like these little wood balls that are on these little ramps. And so it's a whole different kind of style because now you have that time crunch of things. You need to slice it before it gets down to the bottom. So you can't take too long in measuring up your slices and worrying about getting hit. Right. And you well, you also have to make sure that when you're doing it, that you have to let enough of it come onto the screen to know that there's not like a blowtorch or a ninja star or something just off screen that when you start swiping, this thing's going to hit your swipe and then cause you to die because it's like a single death and you're out. So there's always that pressure there with the game because it's just constantly coming down, but then you do kind of have to give it a little bit of time and you can't just be willy nilly just slicing everywhere to, to just take out things as soon as they appear. Right. And then the game, it's that classic I slash style, which is really, I've enjoyed in the past. The only problem is that it's not clear what size you need to get the wood down to to clear it off the screen. Like, you'll slice off this chunk and you're like, okay, that cleared the piece, but it just keeps coming. And I lost a couple times where I thought I sliced it down to a small enough requirement, but it didn't disappear. In the existing games, there's like this percentage tally on the left side. You need to clear 75% of the screen. You clear off this section and now 34% is cleared. I don't need the percentage clear, but I need it to be consistent. It seems like one time I'd slice off a chunk, it's clear. 
next time I sliced off almost the same exact chunk, but I guess it's, you know, a few, few millimeters larger and then it stays present on screen. And just, it seemed super inconsistent. Yes, I noticed that inconsistency too. And I, you, you can't have a percentage on the screen. It's going too fast. It's not right. like you can take your time. But you're, you're right. It needs to be... It definitely didn't seem consistent to me where there were times where I cut off humongous chunks. And all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, that's gone. And then, no, it's still moving, still coming. And it just doesn't... It seems like a cheat. Like, the, the it's a cheap win for them. And... I don't know. I don't know what algorithm we're using for it, but there's got to be a better way or or change the color. Oh, I guess they do change the color of it when it's when it is knocked out, but something that makes it immediately obvious that you did not cut this thing and it's still going to be coming or just well, even better, make it so that it is more consistent with how what percentage you need to cut or in the tutorial tell you this is the percentage you need to cut off so you have a better idea of this is how much of it I need to cut. Yeah, it doesn't even seem like you can eyeball it. Like, even if the tutorial said, try to clear off three quarters of the wood, you wouldn't have an idea of, okay, I, I can see this full piece on screen. I know what about three quarters is. Instead, it's like, sure, maybe uh, this one, like some, you'll cut like half, like 50% and it's cleared off the screen. You're like, that shouldn't have cleared it. Then the next one, there's only this little tiny bit left, but it's not cleared. So I don't know if it's like the hitbox, like the very core game design, or if they purposely made it like that. But as it stands, if you lose because you're not sure that you cut the right amount, you're not going to continue playing that game. Right. And again, I think this is one that I it would work way better on an iPad than on a phone. I can't even imagine playing this on the phone. Right. If you do like any of those Slash style, you know, basic Fruit Ninja style game, you'll like the intro, the setup of it. But then after a few losses, I don't know how long you're going to keep playing it. Yeah, I, I will say they are good with the variety of the type of things that come down. Like, it seems like every time you play, there's a lot of different things coming at you. But uh, I agree. Yeah, enough of those cheat where you feel like you were cheated and you're going to just put it down and not come back. Yep, so hopefully they fix it. And that's I Slash Dojo. It's free. It's universal. And then to round out the week is Monster Fishing Legends, which is a probably a style you've seen before but it's not super easy to describe essentially you have a boat at the top of the screen and there's a sea monster at the bottom of the screen and then you tap and hold to let out the reel of a piece of candy tied to a rock the rock's going to sink to the bottom and however much reel you let out is going to determine where the candy fits and you want that candy to land in this little bullseye region on screen so it's just you know a timing mechanism I've seen the style before in those games where you put a piece of wood down to cross over gaps, but I guess this is the first I've seen it in this more uh, underground or underwater fishing style. And then as you go, the monsters, you know, they'll raise in height until you finally can reel them in with a fishing hook to capture a picture of them. So you need to feed them, you know, candy and you need to consistently try to land in that bullseye because you only have a set number of candies. So it's that constant balance. And then as you go, you kind of want the game to change it up. And the only change up that I've seen so far is that there's a water current. So you need to move your boat at the very top of the screen, either left and right, to handle 
the trajectory of the water current pushing your rock either left or right. That's the only change I've seen so far, though. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, I, I do like the cartoony graphics of it, but it gets very repetitive very quickly. And I don't know, this is the type of game where I tend to lose interest rapidly as if nothing different is happening or not enough different things are happening. Uh, even if it does have cutesy graphics, it's only going to keep my interest for so long. Yeah, it's one of those quick action games that are super popular on the App Store where all kinds of developers will try the style, might even copy each other, apply a different theme to it. So that's kind of disappointing from the outset. So once they have kind of this intriguing sea monster style where then you have this almost like Pokemon Snap taking photos idea, I'm like, okay, that's cool. But then you dive into the game and really all you do is tap and hold on the screen and release. Tap and hold on the screen and release. And it never really changes. Changing, you know, subtly the trajectory of the launch point, that's not going to really keep you coming back. I've collected like 20 monsters and none were really super challenging to get or super different to collect. It seems like once you got that rhythm of tapping and holding the screen for a certain amount of time that gets less and less as the monster inches up closer to the surface, you get the rhythm of the game. You don't really even have to look at the screen. Well, you still kind of have to look at it. I was going to say, this is one where you actually do kind of still have to pay attention. It's because a timing thing, yeah, but you still need to look and see like how much of a distance there is. It's not it's not like you can't just not even look at the screen. Every time you have to glance down at the screen. Well, you see glance at the screen long... is like what you're doing in a tower defense game. It's not like you leave it completely. You glance at the screen and then you look away. Well, no, even in a tower defense game, you could just sit... Once you have your towers going, you really don't need to do anything. Well, yeah, you can this, just you... throw your device away, yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> this one you need to actually pay some attention, but I don't know. It, 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 yeah, I was expecting a lot more. I thought it was when I saw the screenshots and I saw this, I thought, oh, this is going to be like more of an action thing where you're like trying to move it and attract a monster, like a fishing game, but with monsters. And it just was kind of just one of these quick action games where you don't do much at all like you you're not picking bait you're not picking like trying to cast out and go maybe go deeper to unlock new monsters it's just the same thing over and over again they just kind of change up what the monsters look like and that's about it yeah when i first saw it i was hoping for more of a ridiculous fishing style like arcade action game where there's different regions to travel to and it subtly changes it up but Alas, that wasn't to be the case. Right, yeah. That's exactly what I thought, too. Yep, so that's Monster Fishing Legends. It's free, it's universal, and I think that's everything for episode 79. Yep, that's all I got. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later. Talk to you later.